This is both the time that was, as well as the time that will be. This is the time for a Saturday edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement, a newsletter and podcast that seeks to cover as much as possible in the limited time allotted to this purpose. It is August 20th, 2022, and this is the moment in this 420th installment in which the information truly begins. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. Here's what you'll find in the next 15 minutes or so. Governor Glenn Youngkin seeks tax refunds in next year's budget. The University of Virginia's Board of Visitors holds a retreat tomorrow. A new hotel at the Darden School of Business is halfway completed. And Albemarle County's Economic Development Authority approves grants for two area nonprofit groups. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, the Rivanna Trail turns 30 this year, and to mark the occasion, the Rivanna Trail Foundation is throwing a party the weekend of September 24th. It's also the annual Loop de Ville, which is being expanded this year. That Saturday is National Public Lands Day, and if you want to walk the 20-mile loop of the Rivanna Trail or take place in a run of the circuit, go ahead and register now. What about a mountain bike ride? The first 25 registrants for each of these three events will get free admission to that night's Rivanna Roots concert at the Rivanna River Company. Visit rivannatrails.org to learn more about what's happening on Sunday, including a 15-mile mountain bike ride with the Charlottesville Mountain Bike Club, a family-friendly walk at Riverview Park, and a five-mile run. This is all followed up with a celebration from noon to five at the Wool Factory. For all of the details of this 30th anniversary celebration, visit rivannatrails.org. Governor Glenn Youngkin has now been in office for seven months, and coming up soon is his full General Assembly session that he does not have to share with a predecessor. Yesterday, the governor appeared before the Joint House and Senate Money Committees to signal what he wants to achieve. Our shared priorities, lowering the cost of living, giving our children the education that they deserve, keeping our communities safe, creating jobs and growing the economy, and transforming government to serve the people. Youngkin said the bipartisan budget he signed earlier this year included $4 billion in tax relief, and he wants more. Today, I formally report to the General Assembly that Virginia ended the fiscal year with a record general fund balance. But I'm incredibly proud to share and hope Virginians will be proud to hear that our state government spent roughly $1.2 billion less than was appropriated by the General Assembly. Youngkin said that ends up in a $3.2 billion cash surplus, and he said not all of it has to be spent. About $1.2 billion will be reappropriated. $900 million will go to a rainy day fund. $585 million will go to items in the fiscal year 23 budget that were only funded if there was a surplus. $250 million will go to the Virginia Retirement System. $150 million will go to widen Interstate 66. $100 million will go for capital cost overruns related to inflation. $85 million will go for economic development, and $131 million will go to the Water Quality Improvement Fund. 
After accounting for all earmarked uses of this cash surplus, I've directed the comptroller to assign $397 million for deposit into a fund for taxpayer relief. Youngkin wants refund checks sent to taxpayers. So please make no mistake, the budget we will introduce in December and the final budget that I would intend to sign next year will once again include tax reductions. Youngkin is a potential candidate for the Republican nomination for president in 2024, and his comments appeared to position his seven months as governor as experience for why he is qualified to be the head of the federal executive branch. He claimed Virginia suffered under eight years under two Democratic governors. As evidence, he cited the news announced in June that Lego will open a factory in Chesterfield. But that deal was brokered through the nonpartisan Virginia Economic Development Partnership and relied on multiple parties and multiple approvals, such as Chesterfield County, the Greater Richmond Partnership, and the General Assembly's Major Employment and Investment Project Approval Commission. All of that takes much longer than seven months. The workforce will be trained through the Virginia Talent Accelerator Program, which launched in 2019 when a different governor was in office. Youngkin also said Virginia needs to cut regulation that he claims stops businesses from moving forward. He's established a new Office of Regulatory Management, and this will be run by Andrew Wheeler, who the General Assembly declined to confirm as Virginia's Secretary of Natural Resources. Youngkin also signaled an interest in telling Virginia localities to loosen restrictions on home building. We must tackle root causes behind the supply and demand mismatch in places to live. Unnecessary regulations, overburdensome and inefficient local governments, restrictive zoning policies, and an ideology of fighting tooth and nail against any new development. Youngkin did not offer specifics. More on this topic as we get closer to the General Assembly in four and a half months. There have been a series of new hotels constructed in the area within the last few years to satisfy demand for those who seek to travel to the area. Many visitors who come here have some ties to the University of Virginia, and two new hotels in the works will cater directly to those people. Kimpton Hotels and Restaurants will operate a new hotel under construction at the UVA Darden School of Business, which will replace the UVA Inn at Darden with 199 rooms in a five-story structure with around 11,500 square feet of meeting space and a ballroom large enough to accommodate up to 425 guests. UVA today reported last week that the project is about halfway completed. Ashley Williams, CEO and Chief Learning Officer of Darden's Executive Education, Lifelong Learning, and Non-Degree Programs, said the hotel will be open to all. The University of Virginia is also planning on a 215-room hotel and conference center to be built in the Emmett-Ivy Corridor. The Board of Visitors approved the 223,000-square-foot project in March of 2021. The designer is Deborah Burke Partners. Students at the University of Virginia have returned to Charlottesville for the fall semester, and the public body that oversees its administration and operations will meet Sunday and Monday for a retreat. The Board of Visitors will gather at the Boar's Head Resort beginning at noon on Sunday, but this meeting will not be streamed online. 
After introductory remarks from President Jim Ryan and Rector Whittington Clement, the board will hear from two state officials on the topic, Focus on Relationship with Commonwealth. The speakers are Peter Blake, Director of the State Council of Higher Education in Virginia, and Todd Gilbert, the Speaker of the House of Delegates. In his comments on Friday, Governor Youngkin said he still expects all of Virginia's public universities to freeze tuition, but he did not mention the University of Virginia by name, but said there are two that have not complied with his wishes. On Sunday, there will also be talks on legal issues related to board service, an overview of the new college curriculum, and civic education, followed by a tour of the UVA Orthopedic Center. On Monday morning, there will be a report on the athletics program, a financial overview, and then an orientation for new board members. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and in today's second subscriber-supported shout-out, the Charlottesville Jazz Society wants you to know about the upcoming return on September 15th of Dutch trumpeter Eric Floymans to Charlottesville with a concert at the Irving Theater in the new Code Building. Eric Floymans will perform as part of a duo with the remarkable accordionist Will Holshauser. They will play evocative, folk-inspired original compositions that mix European and American influences, plus a few choice covers, such as a ballad by Prince. The pair are on an American tour, promoting their new live album, Two for the Road. For ticket pricing and purchases, visit seavillejazz.org. Charlottesville Jazz Society supporters will get a discount. Thank you to the Charlottesville Jazz Society for being there at seavillejazz.org. This week, the Albemarle Economic Development Authority offered financial support to grants already received by two local nonprofits. In many cases involving state or federal programs, large awards require some local money in the form of matching grants. The Bridge PAI has received a $25,000 grant from the National Endowment for the Arts for a project called Unsettling Grounds, that will re-examine space in the Broadway corridor that has been studied by the county as an area for economic development. The EDA will contribute $5,000 to the project. Jay Simple is the executive director of the Bridge Performing Arts Initiative. The idea of this title, Unsettling Grounds, is a project that uses um, some experimental methods to try and create monument works for and by Black, Indigenous, and low-income artists, supporting them in their artistic endeavors. The idea got its start when Siri Russell was the director of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion for Albemarle County as a way of bringing both social justice and placemaking to the Broadway corridor between the Woolen Mills factory and the city's Belmont neighborhood. And so the project is really about trying to imagine what is a monument and where do these monuments live in our landscape, both seen and unseen, um, and to do so by investigating history that's very central to Charlottesville and Albemarle County. The product will be an augmented reality tour of the area curated and created by various artists, including Marissa Williamson 
who did a similar project that toured Philadelphia murals called Sweet Chariot. In this case, at least eight artists will be commissioned and given studio space to do their work. You can learn more at unsettlinggrounds.com. In the second grant, the EDA approved $25,000 for the New Hill Development Corporation for a commercial kitchen to incubate culinary entrepreneurs. This is another project that came out of cooperation with the county's Office of Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion to obtain a Growing Opportunities Virginia grant. J.T. Newberry is the Principal Business Development Manager for Albemarle County. The uh, city's Economic Development Authority also uh, participated um, in, in providing matching funds for this grant. The, the total grant amount was $189,000. New Hill was formed in 2018. Yolanda Harrell is the president and CEO. We have a vision that to expand economic opportunities that redefines wealth for a thriving Black community. That is why we exist. Harrell said a community vision plan overseen by New Hill for the Star Hill neighborhood included a lot of conversations with entrepreneurs about what they needed. Part of what went into that um, that project was this idea as in terms of an outcome of creating a business incubator. Uh, and so, of course, then 2020 hit, and uh, and what we saw was a, a tremendous need for why uh, an incubator would exist, not only for Black businesses, but for businesses in general, speci specifically businesses that are in the food industry. Harrell said the kitchen will support up to 70 businesses, create up to 94 new jobs, increase revenues for local farmers, and add diversity to the local food economy. The big idea is to bring down the startup costs for those just getting started. Especially when you live in a community like ours that can tend to have very expensive storefronts, whereas there in other communities where you have a lot more urban sprawl, you may uh, tend to have lower price points for storefronts. Harrell said that New Hill board member Hunter Smith, the owner of the Champion Hospitality Group, will use the kitchen space for his restaurants. New Hill is also partnering with Culinary Concepts AB to create a boot camp program for those who will go through the program. And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. And I do try to avoid doing editions on Saturday, but there is so much to get to, and so much of it just doesn't get written. We have one weekly newspaper with a handful of stories, a daily newspaper that currently is down several reporters, and there are other organizations that have tight focus on what they cover. I applaud the efforts of all of these groups, but I don't think it's enough for this community to know what's happening. And that's why there is Charlottesville Community Engagement, a newsletter and podcast that's just over two years old that seeks to cover as much as possible. Written by someone just about to enter a fourth decade in local reporting. I can imagine a world where the profession of journalism was not hollowed out. But rather than lament the slow trickle of information that we've come to expect, I can seek to build channels that harness the ebb and flow of daily life into something that can sustain a thriving place. Is this all bombastic? Of course, I do that well. And I thank the hundreds of subscribers who have so far helped make this journey possible. You can join them in a handful of ways. 
the best way would be to purchase a subscription through Substack. Whether that's $5 a month, $50 a year, or $200 a year, Ting will match your initial payment. And if you sign up for their services through a link in the newsletter, you'll get a free standard installation, your second month for free, and a $75 downtown mall gift card. You can enter the promo code COMMUNITY for full effect. Second, you can consider signing up for a Patreon donation through Town Crier Productions. I launched that two years ago as a way for people to fund the initial startup of this work. We are now 420 newsletters in, and there's been over 100 weeks ahead. Every single dollar pays for me to have a life dedicated to this public service. At $25 a month, you get shoutouts. One of those today came from somebody who is a person who pays through both Substack and Patreon. The other comes from somebody paying $25 a month through Patreon. There's lots of ways to show your support, and soon the whole shoutout system will change slightly as I try to continue to find ways to sustain my work and hopefully hire some people one day. In any case, thank you for being here on this journey. I'll be back tomorrow with a week ahead and then again on Monday for another installment of this program. I am programmed to do this work, helping keep an eye and ear on things. Why? I'm not really sure sometimes. <laughs> Ask me again when we find ourselves at episode 840. That won't be tomorrow, but thank you to all who are helping me at least imagine what it will be like in two years when we get there. I'm Sean Tubbs. Thank you for listening. Tell your friends. We'll be back soon. Have a great rest of these, whatever moments they are for you. Goodbye. <laughs>